are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point number nine, a tennis bets podcast. I am one of three hosts here, David EJ Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9 Tennis on Twitter. If this is your first time listening, chances are that's how you found us. Welcome. Hello. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, as I like to say, welcome back. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, with me, as always, is uh, my number one tennis talking bro, Derek. Derek, hello. What's up, everybody? Glad to have you guys all back. Uh, there's three more tournaments that we got, three last week. And so we got a lot to cover um, from last week. And we got some more stuff to look at for this week. So let's get into it. And with us once again, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, the tennis better extraordinaire. If you bet tennis and use Twitter to do so, you know this guy. His name is John Reed. You can find him at Jared Tweets Tennis. You can find his betting content at his own brand at Tibbetts Tennis. He writes for the Action Network betting expert. Hammer HQ. He does it all. John, thank you for joining us once again. Woo! Excited to be here. Excited to get it going. I am a legendary fade at the moment. Players finding ways to lose. Nicholas Basilashvili finding ways to lose. <laughs> you know, that's just yeah. how it works. Back-to-back final to uh, lucky loser. To, to losing to Alex Mueller, whose ELO rating on a hard court is sub-1500. <laughs> that is an accomplishment. But you know what? Don't worry. Uh, to all the listeners out there who may hate watching Basilis really play, good news. He's pretty much done getting into main draws directly now. He's outside the top 100. He's got to qualify for Dubai. He's got to qualify for Indian Wells, qualify for Miami. And then he'll be back to the challenger circuit where 90% of tennis fans won't have to watch him. Uh, unfortunately, I, I'll still have to be, you know, going through the agony of watching that guy just ball bash his way into oblivion. But, you know, for most people. Well, John, you say you're a fade right now, but I'm going to tell you what, uh, we're going to do a quick recap, and uh, you got some victory laps from last week's uh, to take. It's not all rain showers here for you, John. There's some rainbows in there as well. <laughs> um, as this is a, a gambling, uh, a sports betting podcast, we like to to be transparent, and let's go over a quick recap from last week. There were three tournaments, and guess what? This pod had three outright winners. Derek correctly called Medvedev. We had Carlos Alcaraz winning last week if he came out in form and he was very much in form and did in fact win for title number seven i had fritz taking down delray which came to be sometimes truck wins sorry folks rotterdam we had center to cover four against bonzi and john even suggested laying the four and a half at a plus price and there you go john boom cash it lost a tight one though with uh, tim van reithoven falling to cressy but small margins and he had a great number on tbr which was uh, alive deep in that match uh, i correctly had warinka over gasquet we got hooked by runa against lestien uh, woof, the four and a half i mean he had the double break in both sets but uh, forked over one of those in both as well lame i had dimitrov over hubie john i'm here's another victory lap for you you absolutely crushed the total prediction with the overall total hitting the over and first set climbed the ladder all the way up to the plus money tie break play was which... there was there a break point in that i don't think there was even a break there was a love 30 that dimitrov had to save i believe but i don't even think there was a break point in that set that first set swept free cash at i think you said was plus 200 for the tie break or something even higher we had bodic over halis and that cash there you go uh adm Destroyed my Rublev call and then famously lost to Dimitrov uh, with two match points. And then, John, you got you had that. You, you I believe you put that play out there with Dimitrov over ADM. So there you go, John. You're doing better than you think. We <laughs> it's also, this week that's been killing me. It's the it's the the last three or four days. We're recording on a Tuesday. So <laughs> last week was okay, I guess. Uh, we nailed Greekspor at a nice price, uh, plus 200 mm. against Zverev. That was awesome. Uh, my deeper draw talk 
uh, with Tsitsipas uh, went in flames as Sinner finally won that. Derek was the only smart one who had med over FAA. Over in Buenos Aires, uh, we had the first set money line plus 200 with Jera versus Carlitos, which did not come in. I don't know why I have it on here, but Juan Pablo Ferreira, which we didn't really talk about. We kind of missed him. He was a big story. Taking out team and Musetti, so we didn't really, it's not really a miss. Uh, on our part as we didn't like fade him or anything but um missed backing him as a dog and delray john correctly talked us into laying three with kashmanovich versus borges the shapo fade continues to hit for the pod with michael mo cashing for us fritz pushed on the five which i said i was running into the fire with against gomez and we said tommy paul should make at least at least the semis but of course he delivers one of the worst performances of his career going down six two six two into the quarters to radu albot which brings us to the wave of the week, and that is, in fact, Daniil Medvedev, the Rotterdam winner. Medi Bear is back. So the wave of the week is uh, a player we like to highlight uh, who cut a good wave and wrote it to success, dive in a little bit deep and uh, talk about why he found success and pocket some information moving forward with this player, especially for from a betting perspective. Medvedev beat Davidovich Fokina, Bodic, FAA, Dimitrov, and Sinner. Pretty fucking elite list of, of wins, actually. He drops two sets all week, first in his last match, and covered all the way long. Most impressive stat to me was his ability to generate breakpoints 12 against center 13 against dimitrov 7 against faa 16 against bodic and 16 against fokina what's the thoughts on med here if you want to talk about wave of the week like catching wave and riding it he had been needing that exact run right like i don't know whether it was a couple months ago or 13 months like there's different figures from different accounts i've seen his last top 10 win the point is he hadn't been great against fellow top 10 players or he's not even in the i don't think he can say fellow at the moment but against top 10 players the last little while he had struggled you know, on a larger scale for months on end, right? I can word it that way and pretty be pretty sure that we're okay with it. But for him to to, to have this kind of week, he didn't miss. That helps. Uh, and it's just tough to stick with them for, for a full match, right? It's, it's nearly impossible when he's not missing like that and he makes you hit a ton and it takes energy out of you to hit with power. And then Felix, you know, reverted to his old ways of, of missing a ton uh, and handing that match. But even Sinner, who did strike it more cleanly find more winners like eventually that wears you down man like hitting at that rate that much point in point out for three sets is tough to do and Medi can just stand there and run everything down and get it back then he has the way to get cheap points on his serve is it a bit is it a kind of simple game sure and that's why he's gonna have his struggles against uh, big time players but he can also trouble guys like Djokovic which we saw last year he can also make these these runs to a Rotterdam final and again one more thing on the wave part of it is this is his biggest title in the first calendar months in a long time. That was one of the viral tweets from, I think, Rothenberg and Bastien Facon and all these, like, bigger guys that d- dig into the, you know, the ATP media info stuff. A lot of his biggest titles have come later on in the season. The Cincinnati's, the Toronto's, you know, the Shanghai's, the faster courts and the summer where the heat really makes things pick up or where flat hitting is is rewarded. Uh, the U.S. Open of course, uh, deep runs. This is the first time we've seen him uh, make a like title run at an early season event, 500 level or above. So that was actually pretty cool as well. So it certainly did almost come out of nowhere. And he uh, he wrote it to just to, to great success this week. 
Yeah, I'm just super proud of my boy, Medi that he actually finally got back to maybe where he should be. If that's if you look at him like as a top 10 player, because I mean, when he was like the ranked first overall, it's like everyone expected him to be the best player in the world. And then he wasn't winning tournaments and stuff like that. So everyone's expectations were extremely high and then they were just, just kind of let down. But he's really just like a top 10 player and he played like a top 10 player this week and he just like a top 10 player can win any tournament so it's not like oh crap it's a big upset that he got over felix or something like that it's just like nah dude felix isn't perfect he's gonna lose to some people like that in the top 10 and that's what happened and medi took advantage and that's pretty damn cool that he was able to actually like seize that opportunity he took care of felix and that was a huge hurdle and then I don't know what his second biggest opponent was Sinner, who obviously isn't very good against uh, top 10 players himself. Well, it's just rad to see him freaking take the crown for once again. Yeah, and he had to kind of stay the course a bit as he dropped the first set against Sinner, had to come back and win the last two. John, you mentioned, uh, you know, it taking a lot out of you to, to play Medvedev. I mean, that Sinner match was extremely physical. That was great tennis. I mean, they were using every square inch of that the court, uh, that entire match. Um, it wasn't like to serve guys and quick points. It was to uh, elite players really trying to, to get the ball by the other and couldn't do, <laughs> couldn't do it, I guess, Medvedev. And actually, I think Sinner had more winners, but Medvedev obviously able to outlast and generate those or generate those unforced errors from a center and a center also was pretty bad on serve in the third set i think he only won like 50 percent of his first serve points yeah med was pretty bad on first serves in the first set and that's like a big reason why center won that set like if you watch that last game the 13th game or sorry 12th game of the first set medi gave him a good amount of second serves and center was just pouncing on those things like no other i was watching um Gil Gross's Monday match analysis on on the week over the the course of these tournaments as well, and he had Mark Petchy on. And I think one of the points that Mark Petchy made that was actually a pretty good point was, especially the Rotterdam and Buenos Aires finals. It it wasn't just you know okay you've got Alcaraz, you've got Sinner, you've got Medvedev, you've got some names to work with there that that the average tennis fan might know. It's the tennis that was on display itself was super appealing to watch. Whether it was you know Alcaraz doing Alcaraz things or that quality that kind of Derek just. Uh, talked about with Sinner and Medvedev using the court, big shots, nice ground strokes, great defense. Like it wasn't just big names. Okay, we're serving well. We're we're playing a close match that is just on serve, you know, between John Isner and freaking Yibing Wu. Like this was actual like tennis and it was close and exciting, right? It wasn't just a serve bot. It was, it was the actual sport we love, which John Isner doesn't play in my mind. So, um, you know, I, I think that's what was so appealing about that, that finals weekend. Sorry, Petchy didn't say that. Those are that, those are my words. I don't want to put, but, but it was, it was a, a solid interview with, uh, with Petchy. I think he made that point, which is excellent. We could use more of those finals in terms of trying to appeal to a broader audience and less John Isner. Absolutely. What about Medvedev? Uh, we have, uh, you know, the Rotterdam courts, they're not one for one for Miami and Indian Wells, but uh, certainly uh, on the slower side. But Medvedev, I don't think has fared too well at those events. Are we looking to back Med? I mean, we're going to talk about, he's he's in a, a tournament this week. We'll talk about him, but uh, moving, moving forward, looking ahead, are we like looking to back Med, fade Med, buying into him at all here? I just want to go back so- to the, the whole... Uh- Less Isner. We need to make bumper stickers that say Less Isner. <laughs> just t-shirts and everything. I'll get a tattoo that says Less Isner. But um, I don't dislike him as a person. I just think it's like his tennis is so boring. Boring. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. It's, it's nothing personal. Yeah, as for going forward with Med, like I was saying, I'm like, just I'm going to treat him like 
a top 10 player. I'm not going to treat him like, oh, damn, former number one. He's going to get back to number one. But, yeah, I'm just going to treat him like top 10 player is where I see him. So, yeah, how to acknowledge that in terms of betting. Just look at the odds. I mean, if you feel like he's a good value, then, yeah, stick with him. If he's uh, playing against somebody that he's typically good against, yeah, take him there. And make sure he's not overvalued. Just just bet smart with him. I think his last three titles now are Rotterdam, Vienna, a couple 500s, and then I think Cabo last summer, which is mud slow. That narrative, and, you know, it was a valid narrative in the beginning parts of his career. He, hate, he hated Clay, probably still does. But his game, it was always odd because his game kind of, you know, the defensive ability you'd think would work well on slower courts. But I mean, look, Astana plays slow indoors in the late season last year. He went to the semis. He won Vienna, which usually plays well medium, right? You have like slow, medium, slow, medium, medium, fast, fast. Most being within like the medium, fast, medium, slow category with a few exceptions. Vienna, like medium-ish. I think Basel's usually the one that plays faster. He played that and won it. He won Cabo, which plays pretty damn slow. Like we're talking almost Indian Wells, Miami levels. And then Rotterdam, which has always played medium to medium slowish, especially on center court where a big name like him is going to play a lot of his matches. Yeah. Like he's, he's learned that the defending that he has and his length and his ability to, you know, get everything back with his length on return, put serves in play and then just defend like hell. That's going to be really advantageous with the slower court. It's going to become that much tougher to hit through him. And of course he's got his own serve and flat hitting on quicker courts for a more offensive style game. And it's not like he's given up anything on quicker courts, semifinal in Cincinnati last year, you know, final in Halle, final in uh, Den Bosch, uh, US Open, which plays in the medium area, of course, fourth round Australian Open final last year. It's not like he's giving up his hard, his quick court prowess to to kind of succeed. Yeah, I'll be looking for spots to, to back him where I think uh, maybe the conventional wisdom would be to fade him uh, over the next month. Uh, I, I think that he's going to get some some decent matchups early on at Indian Wells and, and Miami, and I'm I'm going to look to play Medvedev. I think um, last year after the AO and his, like, where he, I don't know, <laughs> he got mentally broken, um, it was kind of a walkabout year. So maybe this early title win in 23 could uh, – send him on a different path here for this year. You know, a lot of people are actually expecting him to fall further out of the top 10. I think that's a bit much for me. I think Medvedev is, is still going to be up in that uh, top tier of players. All right, well, let's keep it moving here and turn the page to this week. ATP Doha in Qatar, the Qatar Open. Outdoor hardcore event held around this time of year since 1993. These courts can play quicker, but it's technically medium-fast conditions. I saw some tweets that say center court plays a little slower than the outer courts. Uh, Iga dominated on these courts just last week, for what it's worth. If you know how uh, she succeeds, typically uh, in slower conditions. Last year, RBA beat Nico, 6-3, Vasilishvili, sorry, for his second title here. He also won in 2019 RBA. Other recent winners include Vasilishvili in 2021. When he beat RBA, Rublev in 2020 beat Mutet. Uh, Monfils won in 2018, Joker the two before that. So it seems like guys who have success here are able to bring it year after year. Um, sunny or partly cloudy all week. In the low 80s, known for its winds, which might tick up to the teens of miles per hour, some during this week, but uh, it doesn't look like uh, to be record winds, so winds shouldn't be too much of a factor. But you you watch it, you see the winds going, you see their clothes getting uh, pushed around by the wind a bit. Big headlines so far, I don't think there are any really. I actually think all the favorites have won, uh, lest Ruzavori who closed a pick, so there you go. Uh, any general Doha thoughts? 
Yeah, uh, it's now bounced Elishvili because he's been bounced today <laughs> by, you know, the legendary hardcore player known as Alexandre Müller with his <laughs> aforementioned sub-1500 ELO rating. Um, <laughs> Famously sub-1500 ELO rating. <laughs> yeah, he it's no big deal. He led 5-3 in the first, 5-3 in the second, 2-11 in the third. I, I'm not hung up on that at all. I haven't mentioned that multiple times because I'm hung up on it. Uh, but yeah, he's gone. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Look, it's not all, it's weird because the early week last week wasn't all that windy there, right? And that definitely plays a role in how slow it's going to play. Like, it can play medium and then it can play like very slowly where, you know, the heavy topspin players are going to have a huge advantage because no one else knows how to deal with the wind, can hit to the outer thirds of the court because the wind can carry the ball out, becomes a really tough kind of situation to navigate. So, you know, watch for the weather conditions, watch and see and uh, and see how everything is uh, is playing day to day there. Well, let's hop into some current odds that we have for uh, tomorrow, the Wednesday. And let's kick it off with uh, Mr. Jason Kubler, or as he is known on this podcast, McCubler. Yes. <laughs> yes. We got to kick it off with McCubler. I love it. <laughs> he is a four and a half game dog to uh, Felix. FAA is minus 550 on the money line. Oof, that seems hefty. Uh, total is 21 and a half. So they even ticked that down a bit here for a three set match. Kubler actually beat FAA at Newport last year in a third set tiebreak. Obviously, different conditions, but uh, not like Kubler can't can game up and, and take this guy down. I think four and a half is, um, I don't know, it's like one of those things where. We're in this like situation where it's either too much or not enough. <laughs> and I'm not sure where I, I sit with this one. I, I, I feel like Kubler is pretty live in this match. Um, now, he did have to go to tiebreak to uh, win the first set against Karatsev, and then Karatsev retired. So that's how he got here. He has you know one set under his legs here, one set in one game. But I, I would think that uh, Kubler should be pretty live uh, on these outdoor hardcourts especially with the travel for FAA coming from Rotterdam. But he is it is the Wednesday start, as we've talked about the past couple of weeks. So I, I, I'm not sure where I lean, but uh, I do think Kubler is pretty live in this match. Oh, I mean, boy, you want to, you got to wonder too. It's more than the, just the travel. It's does Felix have his, and I like the way, by the way, Derek says Felix, because it is Felix, but uh, for all intents and purposes, I'm going to go with Felix. Or else I'll get into like French. It'll get my mind will go crazy. But um, I do wonder if that kind of that performance against Medvedev, let's face it, was 100% a reversion to what we saw before that indoor swing last fall, last summer, where it was like, oh, man, he cannot find the court. Man, if there's any kind of reversion there, that is an outright Kubler win because he's solid enough to extend the rallies. His serve isn't great, but it's it's like good enough to take advantage and 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 find holds. So when Felix is serving well, is striking the ball cleanly, he can maybe keep in touch. I don't know if I I, I hate these four and a half on the men's side just because I know it's serve oriented, but when you get into like conditions that might slow down it still comes down to potentially one break of serve each set and then if the favorite serves first in either set and gets his break within the first three or four games it's a five game win and it's it could be close it could be a two break match and you're not even covering a four and a half like i just hate these kinds of numbers um i'd rather just take the plus one and a half sets or take the over if you think it's going to be you know within a, a four game spread i think you're better off uh taking the sets or the over uh, in, in those positions. Yeah, Southern California boy over here calling uh, Bay Leaks. Uh, OJ Alley is seeing from <laughs> French Canada. to somebody in this uh, podcast that's a lot closer to Quebec than I am. But um, back to this Kubler versus um, 
FAA. Dude, I don't know where to go with this myself. I mean, Kubler's been showing that he's been capable. I mean, you've already seen Kubler play hardcore over in Australia, and he was ripping on those, but he had that Australian backing over there. And now you got Faye Leakes, who is a known competitor. I mean, we don't have to talk about him anymore, but still four and a half games is quite a lot. And I I just rather just sit this one out. Not a ton of value there. I do think Kubler plus a set and a half at plus 125 is kind of interesting. Maybe it gets to a tie break. Maybe he gets over the hump uh, at tie break, although Felix is a pretty good tie break player. But uh, if I were to make a play, I might chase the the set plus one and a half. Going to do the first set again? You're a big uh, first set guy. Well, I mean, it is plus 255, the first set. That is pretty juiced. I mean, plus four, man, I mean, if you wanted to do a half or a quarter unit at plus 425 or plus 430, I mean, I definitely think he should be in the more in the plus 300 range to win this match. I think that that's a bit much. All right, let's keep it moving. Talon Griekspor just lost in the semis to Yannick Center at Rotterdam. Great week for him last week. He is taking on Andre Rublev. It was like three and a half games. He's minus 330 on the money line. 22 and a half game total here. Tough spot for Griegspor, I think. Uh, long week and also like maybe a bit overvalued. Uh, Rotterdam, obviously a place where he excels. Home country. He's had a lot of success there in the past. Now he's got the travel spot, which he got it out of win today. And take it on Rublev, who I feel like is due for positive regression. I mean, you could like say he's uh, a fade based on his uh, start to this year as his, uh, the new face of his new brand, Rublo. <laughs> no longer Team Nike. He is Team Rublo. And also, like, am I going to be on another podcast where I back Rublev at three and a half games? But I do think that laying three and a half against Greek Spore off a big week is a lot different than against ADM last week. So yeah, I, I, I kind of like Rublev here to, to get the win and the cover. I remember laying two and a half games against RBA, who I correctly assessed is not the same old, old RBA. Uh, and then Rublev promptly blowing a set and break lead in that one and losing outright. So uh, I also remember backing him against Alex Diemenauer uh, last week. So um, without, you know, pardon my French here, but he can go fuck himself in terms <laughs> of me betting on him. It ain't going to happen this week. I'm not doing it. Screw that. No way. you, Sir, you are 0-3 outside of Melbourne. Win a gosh darn match before I decide, before I even consider backing him, especially as a favorite. Yeah, I'm liking Greek Spore plus three and a half. You can buy it up to four for an extra 35 cents. It's up to you on that one. But I mean, I think I'd be comfortable with the plus three and a half. Greek Spore's got that good return game that I kind of like. And then Rublev, who knows? I mean, Greek Spore can really irritate him. I mean, if Rublev serves really not um, a big weapon for him in that one, um, I think he can get pretty dang frustrated quickly. I do bet against Rublev too much to the point where I think that he's going to lose his marbles, which I don't think is like a really good thing to just start betting on. But I don't know. I, I can see Greek sport disrupting his game and thus disrupting his head and covering the three and a half games. I don't know. For me, another long match today, long week of matches last week. Just a lot of court time for Greek sport. Rublev, obviously, 0-3 outside of Melbourne. So he's he's got some some he's got some rest on those legs. Um yeah. I'm willing to take a shot and uh and lay the three and a half here. That maybe six four, uh six four win, six three, six four, something like that. Greek sport. Also, if you are going to bet Rublev, maybe do it on a book that pays out after the first set in case Greek Spore has to retire just based off court time. All right, let's keep it moving here. Andy Murray snuck out a three-set win against Lorenzo Sonego. Now he is a plus-125 money line dog to 
Alexander Sasha Zverev, who is minus 145 on the money line, game and a half on Bet Online at two other places. So make sure to line shop here, folks. I'm going to surprise myself here and I, I'm going to back Sasha Zverev in this one. We were all over the Greek sport at the big plus money against Zverev last week, but that, as John laid out eloquently last week, amazing handicap uh, for the Greek sport uh, side in that one. Much different situation here than Mr. Murray, who I think is live, but at plus 125, I, I'll take a shot on Zverev here. Yeah, there's there's a big difference between Greek Spore's ability to, one, his willingness to come into net. I guess Murray has that ability, but Greek Spore last week when he when he was running out of options was willing to come into net a ton. He's got, at the moment, a, a much more potent serve. His forehand is a weapon. Murray against Sonego, I mean, he never was a power player. It was always counter-punching, returning, depth, point construction, but he just looked so underpowered against Sonego. And that is not a recipe for success against Sasha Zverev, who can still defend really well, who can does he's not at his best in terms of movement right now, but it's he can still run down a lot of those Andy Murray shots. There's just not a whole lot to like about his ability to finish points. At a at dollar fifty-two or about minus one ninety-five where this opened, I was like, oh man, I was hoping for, you know, a better number on Sasha. But then, you know, you remember the market hates Sasha Zverev right now. Like everyone's just blind fading him. And he's now to or down to minus one thirty eight or a dollar seventy two. You know, in American odds, fifty something cent move for me, dollar fifty two to dollar seventy two. That's twenty cents cheaper on the dollar for me, or I'd get twenty cents on the dollar back for each dollar I bet. That's a significant discount. I think that it's a, a decent spot to actually back Zverev with Murray off of a long match. Did not look good against Sonego. I felt very, very lucky to get away with that bet, to be honest. And even without overreacting to that individual match, I like the matchup here regardless. Remember, I was we were talking in the chat. I was like, I'm hoping Murray pulls this out. One, because I have a bet on him. Two, because I like the matchup for Sasha in that next round with a bye. And I think he had a bye, right? Yeah, he's, he had a bye to this. So, I mean... Then you get this this market movement against um, Zverev as well, and I'm 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 happy to back him here. I mean, Zverev could redline on serve in the first set and, and win that just based on winning eighty plus percent of his first serve points alone. So then you're you're staring down in another situation where Murray has to come back and win two sets again. I don't know that he gets there this time. Uh, in this setup, if that's how things play out. Yeah, Zverev's played himself down to a, only a two-game favorite against Andy Murray. I wouldn't say Andy Murray has played himself up to being only a two-game dog against Zverev. It's, I didn't watch. it's under that now. It's is only, it, uh, I mean, it's minus 120 for minus one, and minus one and a half is your standard minus 110, at least at Pinnacle. Most other books, I guess not. But yeah, Pinnacle, which is like, you know, your sharp book or respects sharp action, they're, they've already got that down to one and a half. And if you're willing, if you, you're willing to pay a little bit of juice to go to 120, you can get down to one, which at that point, I mean, I just love the money oh, line crap. here at minus 138. Uh, still minus 150 in other places. But, you know, this is why, as they said, do your line shopping. There's about a 20 cent difference between Bovada and Bet Online. Um, which I think is telling as well, because as I said in the past, I think Bovada is pretty sharp when it comes to tennis. So they're not willing to come down uh, with Zverev quite yet. All right. I only have one more match with odds right now, and that's uh, Daniil Medvedev is uh, a man we spoke about a lot already. He's laying six games against Liam Brody. He is minus 1,500 on the money line med. Brody is plus 870. Interesting little note here as I was looking at their recent play. Liam Brody is quietly 9-1 and one since uh, January 30th between the challenger and the qualities here, plus his main draw win 
uh, already at this tournament. One of the wins was uh, a retirement, but still, I mean, a little bit of a heater for Brody, who I think is uh, kind of an uneven player overall. Any value here on the six? I I, I don't know. John's shaking his head and saying no. <laughs> Yeah, the the question is any value here on the six? Uh, that that, that is spicy. That is crazy. Yes, high. the minus six. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Exactly. The minus six this is crazy high. Like I I said when we were talking earlier on how are you gonna attack Medvedev or you bet on Medvedev going forward. I was like, you gotta just look at the line and six. That is way too high. No thanks. I'm like I'm not touching it. I know he's really, really good against left-handers, but I'm still not touching it. It's uh, it's one of those things too, where I mean, I mean, Liam Brody has not like we talked about needing something to hit through Medvedev or needing some way to get through him. Like for Liam Brody, he's the opposite. If Sinner's not hitting through him, and like Dimitrov is not hitting through him, and these, I mean, he's not going to commit a ton of errors. But like, what does Liam Brody do to trouble Medvedev? Maybe your travel spot and a slow start from Meds, and his legs are tired off the hop and he's not landing first or he's i don't know like you're gonna need some sort of you know almost like narrative to to get to where brody wins six games because that's ultimately what you're backing not even you need more you need a seventh right you need a six four six three i'm looking more at the under here like this under and i don't usually pay juice because i think buying stuff in tennis oftentimes is just a poor value proposition but the 19 games is minus 125-ish, seventy. That's like minus 127 or something like that. 18 and a half is minus 105. I just, I don't know how you construct me a narrative where he gets to a 7-5 set unless it's the first set and Medvedev has like a travel hangover kind of deal. It's just a one, this is one-way traffic. Um, again, unless there's a travel thing or unless Medvedev is like content with his 500 win, is he playing Dubai next week? Perhaps he doesn't really care about this 250. He's there for money and... He's there to screw around. Maybe those kinds of things get Brody over the line on the spread, but uh, I'm not going to be taking or trusting Liam Brody at all in that one. All right. Well, let's dive into some uh, deeper draw talk here. I wish I had some odds on the Laheshka. Well, just Laheshka Rusevori is an uh, interesting match, one I'm excited to watch, actually. Um, Rusevori is actually 2 0 against this guy, but those were indoor hardcore. Uh, so not carrying over a ton here. And I think both those players, well, I think Rusevori is more or less the same guy from last year. And I think Laheshka has probably improved a little bit. But Rusevori last year, 2022 Pune, I believe made it all the way to the final. Yeah, he picked up a, a, a pretty easy win against Evans today. Maybe these courts lean to his game a little bit. So I'll be interested to see what that comes out. If Laheshka is a, a heavy dog, might be a dog spot for Rusevori, who I yeah, it's uh sixty market average on Lahetchka, which works out to dollar sixty five at Unibet. Pinnacle's not out yet, so this this could all change. Remember, as soon as they release, the rest of the market will all adjust. But right now, he's about minus one fifty three, so almost minus one fifty five against Rusevori. Big favorite. Lahetchka is the favorite, or Rusevori is Yuri. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. See, this is, I think it's a, a decent dog spot here for Rusevori. God, I hate backing Rusevori, but. Uh, me too. <laughs> I this think is, he will get stoned all over again for us, man. I know. Fuck. Fuck. Am I trusting Laheshka as a minus uh, 155 favorite against the guy he's lost to twice? Granted, not the same conditions, but I mean, I, I don't think Rusevori is coming in here not confident. Ooh, fuck, I can't. I. I can't win with this guy. I can't bet against him. Hey, no, no one's forcing you to bet on him. <laughs> That's right. 
I think there's value on Rusevori in that match. I'll, I'll go. I'll say that. Uh, what about Davidovich Vokina versus Kwan? John, do you have a line for that? Uh, he is about the same in that minus one fifty, minus one fifty five region. Uh, minus one fifty at bet three six five. None of my other books have him up, but three six five opened at minus one fifty to Davidovich Fokina, which uh, I like. I think that's a great. Great spot. One, Quan doesn't like medium to medium slow conditions, likes him faster. Two, struggle with the kid, um, Abadala Shelby, who's got a really fun game. I'm going to do a um, scouting episode on him for patrons in the coming days. Frankly, David Ochoakina, this is a, a great spot for him matchup wise. Like Quan, he has some pace, like he has decent pace, but he, he likes the quicker courts where it plays up a bit more. It's not overwhelming. It's not you know, the kind of stuff that can hit through Davidovich Fokino or make him hit low margin shots on the run. I think this is a great spot for Alejandro to actually pick up a hard court win. I agree with you. And I, I, I said he was trending up in our, our chat yesterday and you said it was one match, but uh, I think, I think it's more than one match. He had a decent run at the U S open last year. He gave a good fight against uh, a hot, he's, he's, uh, shot of he's, he's, he's a right-handed shot of The guy <laughs> loves to hit his shots on the run. He's got shot making galore, but he hits shots that, 80% of the time missed. It's just you remember the 20% of the time that they land in. Like, he's done nothing this year. He hasn't done anything really since that fourth-round run at the U.S. Open. He lost five straight matches to end his 2022 season. Like, the kid is talented, but he's just a right-handed Shapovalov. He doesn't play with anything but balls to the wall, and when it's not working, he's not winning. Yeah. If you ask me who's going to generate more break points, I would think Fokina would generate more yes. than Quan. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's go some deeper draw talk here. Now, this one, I think, is the more wide open of the three because it is uh, no one that I'm super confident in in terms of the, the top seeds with FAA or Rublev, who are the top and the bottom of the bracket. RBA, you know, he's had success here in the past. He survived uh, a, a tough battle from Fuchovic today. Uh, he gets O'Connell next. And, um, I mean, I, I might want to back O'Connell in that one somehow, some way. I like O'Connell. I don't know. I think uh, certain situations like this where outdoor hard can can be a bit undervalued. I think he could give RBA a battle. I'm back in the Rublev well. <laughs> I just keep <laughs> thinking this guy's going to bounce back. I think he has a pretty good shot here this week, especially if uh, Rusevori does gut it out versus Laheshka, or if Laheshka gets through. I think Rublev can beat either of those guys. If he beats Greek Sport, he can beat those guys. Then he's only got to play like a struggling Zverev or Bodic or Murray. If Murray gets through, I mean, that's not exactly a tough quarter. So I have Rublev into the final here in the top half. And then, I don't know, I feel like Med is is certainly alive uh, in his quarter, but uh, I, I do worry that he's just going to be like, eh, I'm, I'm ready to go home uh, and lose lose a match here. But I got, F- I got FAA in the semis versus uh, the winner of RBA or O'Connell. I'm more concerned with like, so they're following basically this swing now. They follow the women, right? The women played in Doha last week, Dubai this week. Men play this week, Doha, next week, Dubai. Last week was a 500. Next week's a 500. Is Medvedev looking to play 15, 14 to 15 matches in three weeks? Somewhere between 12 and 15 matches in three weeks, right? So I don't know if this is an event where he's really going to be going gung-ho. I know that next week, you know, the 500, he'll probably be more interested. Last week, he won. There is certainly a sandwich spot issue here for Daniil Medvedev. I don't know. I, I kind of want to see that Medvedev, Felix, mat, a rematch go down. And if that does, I would definitely back Felix in this one. I don't just like, you got to just think that either of those two guys would win 50% of those matches. So I'm just playing odds right there. Felix is due, right? I mean, Rublev's due as well to win this whole thing. Yeah, I'm going to side with Felix on this to take the crown. 
I'm going off the board because that's what I do. I'm going to go Zverev or Bodic. I think like they it. meet that quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, have that I do think that Rublev is vulnerable in that uh, semifinal. This is a weak quarter, and I think both Zverev has a chance for, to rebound here. I think uh, Van der Zanskalp, if Zverev's still struggling for form, um, has the quality to beat Zverev, and he's got the quality to deal with Rublev's pace, move the ball to the outer thirds, keep him on the run, uh, and and wear him down. And I, I don't know if he wins the tournament because I, I again Medvedev, if he is going to go gung ho this week and then maybe withdraw from Dubai, head to the states to prep for Indian Wells, that's also a possibility. If that's the plan for him. I think he takes back-to-back tournaments. Um, if he does want to really want to play Dubai, though, that sandwich spot has me saying, eh, I, I don't like it. So for me, Medvedev is like the big wild card here, right? And so I don't, I, I, it's hard to predict a winner for me, but I do think that I'm going to go with Zverev or BB, uh, BVDZ uh, to be a surprise finalist. I like that. I like that a lot. I kind of like Bodic in that um, match against Zverev, but we will see. Uh, all right, well, let's keep it moving here and go to Marseille in France. ATP Marseille, the Open 13, has also been held since 1993. Back to a fast indoor court after Rotterdam last week. Uh, last year, Andre Rublev beat FAA 7576 in a revenge spot, uh, as I believe FAA beat Rublev in Rotterdam the tournament before. Uh, Medvedev won in 2021. Sitsipas won the two before that. Chanoff won in 2018. There hasn't been a Frenchman to win since Sanga in 2017. Big headlines so far. Another one I don't think there really is one. Kind of straightforward uh, so far. Warinka screwed us. We were hot on Bergs at a pretty nice juicy dog price, uh, but he gets the three-set win. Another one we don't have a ton of odds out for some reason. Do we want to talk about Emer versus Albot? Like, I don't care about that one. I'm not betting on Emer. I'm not betting on Albot. Let's just skip that one. Unless you have a steaming hot take, John. No, it's a Wednesday start. And look, there's a travel spot there for Albot, obviously. But I mean, yeah, no thanks. Uh, Michael Emer on like minus four and a half to five games. The guy loses like two games in a row, pouts and just tanks a set because he's got one of the worst attitudes in the sport. So. Zero desire to lay games there. Now he'll win six one six one, but still. All right. Well, we got uh, the Montpellier sensation Arthur Feast here as a minus one forty five money line favorite, laying a game and a half against Roman Safilian, the Russian. <laughs> Derek, it seems like you have a, a hot take here uh, on this have, match. I don't have much of a hot take, but we all know where Arthur Feast is at, and. Quite honestly, I would expect the money line to be around like minus 160 for him, minus 170 maybe even. And now he's sitting at minus 145 with the spread only minus one and a half games. Like this match is also in France again. I mean, that whole country is back in this, dude. Like, why? What are the reasonings why you wouldn't take him here? Well, Roman has a pretty big serve on an indoor hard, on an indoor hard court. Um, that would be yeah. like the only fear. He likes these conditions. If you believe in the whole um, point defense thing, was it here that he did well last year? I think um, against it was either here or Montpellier. I think it was here where he beat Steph Sitsipas. I actually had him in that match. Yeah, he went to the Marseille semis last year. Now that was in February, so those points already came off. But regardless, conditions he likes um, had beaten Mahach, Papirin. Sitsi pass. He went to two tie breaks with Felix. So like the quicker courts are where he prefers it. 
He's got yeah. big serve forehand. Fetus is athletic and, and whatnot, but he's not the greatest returner yet because he doesn't really um, prolong points or have that ability to play with a ton of consistency. He did in Montpellier. That, that was the big revelation of that week. But we'll see um, how he fares against Sifu. And I don't know if I'd be laying games or, or, or laying juice there. I think it's actually pretty fairly priced. It will look like a professional tennis player versus a guy who just stopped at Tennis Express uh, on his way to the to the match because I don't <laughs> think Roman has a, a sponsor or at least like a, a, a big one. Anyway, uh, we got a rematch of Bublik and Barrer here and the market has decided uh, you pick because we're not because <laughs> it's that pick. <laughs> um and it's uh, back on fast indoor. So, it's, you know, there's the, the, I mean, similar setting to when they played two weeks ago. Um, Derek, I know you're a Barrer guy these days. Yeah. Are I, we going to jumped on the Barrer train last make week? Make us, uh, I mean, if you're, I, I'm going to pick Barrer if I have to. I'm not picking Boopla. I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and pick Boopla once again, although he could win. I mean, he could easily win this match, though, too. He should have won last time. Fuck. <laughs> I like how Bublik loses 10 matches in a row and wins one match. And you're like, you know what? Bublik can win this match. No, he could, he was alive. He was alive in the but, last one. Yeah, he's alive but, in like every match. And the big but in that scenario is he is the kind of guy where one match win, getting that monkey off his back, yeah. is go- could absolutely transform his season because he is that kind of like mercurial, crazy guy in terms of his mental game. I don't know, man. Barrera's <laughs> just in such good form. I think this deserves to be a pick. Like, Bubu's got the serve, the talent, and like maybe the desire to win again now that he finally has a win. And Barrera's just playing so well. I almost played Huser that I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, Barrera playing really well right now, mm-hmm. loves indoor courts, especially in France. Like, this is where he thrives. Leave it alone. And thank God I did. Um, if Huser got to plus 150, I would have walked right into that loss. Yeah. But, man, he beat the holy hell out of Marc-Andrea Huso. That is not an easy serve, especially with a lefty, if he's going to be hammering that backhand. That was an impressive job on return from uh, Grégoire Barrer today. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm not still thinking about what you said about Bublik. Like, one match win can turn his entire season around. And then I'm, like, thinking back at, like, Medvedev. The guy wins an entire tournament. We're like, is he back? And it's like he, he had to win the whole tournament. <laughs> and we question that. It's like, Booba, like, oh, one match. Is he back? <laughs> on like... his on his Instagram, he had his kid watching him on TV. I don't know if there's extra motivation there. I'm a, yeah. I'm big into uh, snooping on Instagram because I, I actually meant to talk about this earlier. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the world was shocked that a former professional tennis player, D1 tennis player, beats Jack Sock. Uh, last week at Delray, uh, because he's out of the sport and like working in real estate. But Jack Sock was in Phoenix for both the waste management and the Super Bowl, which was all over his wife's Instagram page. The guy was probably sweating tequila for the entire match, playing <laughs> someone who is not exactly a Joe Schmo off the street. Let's stop making this like they literally like selected a guy, uh, off the literal beach in Delray to to play this match, and he won. <laughs> um, but I mean, there, I do think you can, um, I'm not like saying that Bublik's kid watching, uh, watching him play is like going to have any relevance on this match, but I do think that there could be some stuff on these players, 
uh, and, and their girlfriend's social media pages that, that could influence. So there's a, a random tip for you in the middle of this uh, show. Yeah, I don't know. I think the over is a pretty good look on the, the 23. They don't even have it up to 24 or 25. So Dimitrov is laying four and a half games against Geese Bruver. Uh, Dimitrov is minus 350 on the money line. The dog is plus 275, 21 and a half game total total here. Man, again, four and a half. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I look at the four and a half, but before I look at the four and a half and say, I don't know, I look at the word Dimitrov and be like, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I have an issue laying four and a half with that kind of like the Dutchman has a decent, like a a pretty darn good serve. Like he can absolutely hammer that serve. And if he again is like just targeting that backhand, that one handed backhand from Dimitrov, how many returns is he going to put in play? I mean, if Bruver serves at even 65%, 66% first serve, like I'm not saying he redlines at 75%, like Sasha Zverev did last week a couple times. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to say like, you know, he's only going to hit 50%, land 50% of his serves, but if he's in that like 60 to 66% range, how many, and he, he's smart enough to pick on that Dimitrov one-hander. Is that one-hander really a great, like, we- like not weapon, but, choice on the actual return of serve i think it's more solid than steph sitsi passes right like I, I think it's more solid than a lot of one-handers um but he's just so volatile that laying four and a half on a quick court with a guy who can absolutely i don't want to say rip like he doesn't have this monster lefty game but he's certainly uh a pretty good player and a little bit underrated Right. And I think if we take a look at Dimitrov in the last 52 on hard courts against lefties, okay, you beat Tiago Montero, not a hard court player, lost to Denis Shapovalov. Um, I don't think he saw many break opportunities there. I'll have to check that one out. That he beat Manorino in three sets um, by three games in Washington. Right. And these are quicker courts. So Cincinnati and Washington are comparable. Now, Bruvers, maybe not at the level of those guys, but. Maybe you could make a case it's the right line. I just, I think that uh, I don't like laying four and a half with Dimitrov, especially uh, against a decent server on a fast court. I do want to fade Dimitrov this week, though. This is a good week to fade some of the big names, I think, and uh, between these two courts, especially on the bottom half. Let's just let's zoom out now uh, to the wider draw talk uh, because I'm going to be fading center hard. I mean, he's this is a guy who's got a lot of miles on those giraffe-like legs uh, now <laughs> between the last two weeks. I mean, is there a burning desire to take down another 250 for him as opposed to being healthy for the 2000s that are like a week and a half away? Especially if it's like either Feast or uh, Civilian next round versus center. I'm going to back both those guys no matter what, and live with the results. I think you're going to get like plus four or five with either of those guys too, like uh, plus three and a half to plus four and a half. And then, you know, I'm looking at set overs. I'm looking at overs. I'm looking at the plus games there. The problem is with fading center is the quarterfinal opponent is going to be pretty garbage, Uh, right? Like Vavrinko or Gasquet. mm -hmm. Uh, If you're not getting him next round, he's going to the semis in my mind. Okay, fair enough. But I I would I would – Say Gasquet might be uh, definitely more than Warinka. I, I like Gasquet to be uh, to run. I had Warinka last week. I'm gonna run, I'm gonna flop. Uh, I think Gasquet is gonna beat uh, Warinka this time in the rematch. Uh, yeah, yes, in the rematch. Cressy is another guy I want to fade. He has a win. He's got a lot of uh, mileage now on those legs. I don't. 
ADM is someone I think um, going to make it into the semis probably if it's like Cressy ADM. Wait, wait, what's going on with this Re- uh, uh, Reedy guy, John? Here's a, a spot for you to shine with this uh, challenger guy who was up a break. Well, um, he went, he won. Uh, he crushed Rinderneck, but I mean, that's, is that a really impressive thing to do now? Like, Altsil's had a pretty terrible season. It sucks. And he's got a month. Go ahead. Monster serve forehand combo. He was crazy good at the end of last year. I think he flopped in Aus Open qualifying. Who did he end up losing to there? It was a, it was a stunner, at least odds wise, when he lost to Dalibors for China, um, who was about plus 300 there. But other than that, he lost to Fukshevich's five and four, respectable result in the Canberra Challenger final. And then he went to the third round of Aus Open qualifying, and this is his first match back. He crushed end of year last year. I think he won two, three challengers. Yeah, he won Helsinki as a qualifier, and then he won Andrea. Both play relatively quick. I think Helsinki about medium fast, and Andrea plays pretty damn quickly. Um, And he won those. So he's good on quick courts. I'm still not overly uh, confident in his baseline game. I'd say that his baseline game has some holes, a little bit of impatience. The backhand is very exploitable. But if he's landing any decent amount of first serves, yeah, QB is going to have a tough time um, getting returns back with depth where Rietti can't just put it away with his plus one shot, right? So I don't know how many games you're going to get. I don't know if you're going to get a ton of uh, value on the overs here, but I'd be looking, you know, Hubie Hercatch, same thing with Dimitrov last week. You got the quicker courts now. You got another big server, not the greatest returner. I'd look towards some more overs in a Hubie Hercatch match, especially on a quick indoor court uh, against a, a fellow big server. I don't mind the overs. Um, depending on what those numbers come out at, I don't I don't see anything yet uh, at any of my books either. Yeah, first set over, 100%. Yeah. Well, first off, Hubie plays like 80% first match or first set overs. Mm-hmm. Uh, something some insane number like that. I just made that number up, so. <laughs> but it's an insane number. Um, this guy loves, and then and then he'll. This is this is what I I'm gonna lay out the playbook. It's gonna be seven six QB tiebreak win, and then he's gonna win like six three three. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So QB this year has gone over nine and a half in one two three four five five and one six and one in like yeah about 70 to 80 percent this season uh he's played how many matches for including united cup we count united cup right that is an atp sanctioned event yes so he's played 10 matches and only two have gone six three or fewer so you said 80 percent, and i love the fact that you pulled that out of your ass and it was dead on this year <laughs> over nine and a half 80 percent. there you go that's incredible i love it <laughs> Uh, um, you shouldn't have said anything man you should have just yeah. owned it like you had that you had that research bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good call good pull all right well yeah. um i have hubie winning this whole thing to be honest um if, if he gets by this uh, young uh swiss uh upstart here he's gonna beat the winner of uh he's gonna beat Gaffin or emer albot um, I like him to beat Barrer or Bublik or Dimitrov. Uh, that puts him in the final, and then he's either going to play center ADM. I, I just feel like we'll bounce back on these quicker courts for for <laughs> Mister Hubie, and that's a little chalky. But uh, I also think uh, some of these other guys, um, I don't know, not that impressive to me. Um, 
and I also think some some of the other big dogs are are, are in situations where they could lose because they've been on the court a lot. Yeah, you know, he could use a good run. He could use a title, uh, to be honest. Um, he's still, like, his ranking is still up there, but he hasn't, you know, fourth round Aussie Open. Okay, that's nice, second week, but you're, you know, top 10, top 15 player in the world. You'd like to go deeper. Out second round in Rotterdam. You were only two and two in United Cup. You'd, you'd think that he'd want? Like, he has motivation to pick up a big result, pick up some momentum, get some confidence going before that uh, that uh, sunshine double. So I don't hate that pick. I think it's, if I'm picking anything, if I go off the board, it's Bublik. This just, oh, this smells like a week where <laughs> Bublik turns it. And like, you know, he did in Montpellier, I think last year, did he win it or go to the final? Either way, a small French 250 on a quick did, indoor yeah. hard court. You know, his get his 250 points to maintain his ranking so he can lose 10 in a row again. Ooh, this screams like a random Bublik week. I mean, it's hard to quantify any of this because how do you quantify anything to do with Alexander Bublik, whether it's an individual match or his outright odds? Um, but it just feels like a Bublik spot, but I agree with you. I think the smart play in terms of logic and breaking down the draw and talent and court preference and motivation, everything screams like go chalk with Hubie. Dude, every single time I bet Huber Hercats, I feel like he does the exact opposite of what I expect him to. He's got that big serve. I thought he thinks I think he could get through matches fairly easily. And then he just doesn't. He just goes three sets and then he ends up losing the third set for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, he is due for sure. I mean, he's the top ranked player in this event. There's nothing really clear that would be standing in his way. But I don't know. But I, I would go personally with Demon Orb just for fun. I mean, it's not all that crazy. He's huh? a third-ranked dude. Good pick. Yeah, I mean, I think he can get over Cressy, and then he'd have to worry about Sinner. And if Sinner's actually kind of running out of gas, then I think Demon Or can actually kind of push that dude to the limit and, and take the victory. And so then, say then it's like Demon Or versus Hercats in the final. That seems like a match that I would bet Hercats on and lose. So. <laughs> I'll just stick with uh, Demon or just as a somewhat of a wild pick. All right. Well, the Golden Swing is still in full swing, and it's going down to Brazil now. Uh, the Rio Open is a 500-level event in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, held since 2014, last year, Carlito Alcaraz beat Diego Schwartzman 6-4, 6-2. It was the start of his ascension in 2022, in my mind, uh, was this tournament right here green won in 2020 back when he was good um jera in 2019 schwartzman and team before that certainly some bigger name or more brand names on clay when this thing uh compared to the last few tournaments uh it's supposed to rain all week yikes i uh, hope it stays off big heads big headlines so far we actually have one and the dogs they're barking tiago montero wins as a plus 200 dog versus team Nico Hari takes down Musetti at around plus 155, plus 160. Martinez won as a slight dog to Green in the sixth iteration of that matchup. Uh, I can't wait for the seventh time these guys play. It's really just going to be so, so great. We've seen <laughs> in, uh, Juan Pablo. Uh, Vareas is the... Uh, we've seen Gaston lose as a dog, though, which we backed uh, today. Um, Juan Pablo keeping it keeping it moving on with the wins. In the golden swing off his hot week last week. We only have two matches on the board, which we can go through last week, and then we can do a deeper uh talk. But Mulchan is down as a dog 
to Hugo Delian. Balchan is plus 110 on the money line, and the favorite is minus 130. It's a game and a half total here. Nico Hari is minus three and a half against Pedro Martinez. Dang, man. That's a lot. That is a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, those are our two matches we have. Let's um let's knock those out before we get a new link for the outright talk. Um, yeah, I just want to know overs on yeah. on the second one there. Like over twenty two seems like a lot, but I rarely go first set overs on clay. I do not mind a minus one fifteen to minus one twenty on first set over nine and a half between Hadi and and Martinez. I think Martinez has enough of a serve and pop on the forehand to find consistent holds against a guy like Nico. To be honest. I'm not sold on him just, you know, beating down Musetti, who, frankly, that's the second week in a row he's played a big striking um, kind of player who's just targeted the one-handed backhand. And he can get them back, but he can't get them back with depth. He can't get them back with any kind of gusto because, you know, he it's overpowered and the heaviness makes it really tough on him on that one-handed wing. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of like Pedro to, to push – um, to at least ten games, as I think was Eddie did in the first set, even though he was outmatched against Nico Hadi, and I, I would, I don't, I wouldn't even hate going further than that. Like we're talking a ten and a half at um, plus two fifty, and your tie break is over plus four hundred. Like those are some tempting numbers, man. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of looking at Pedro on this one. I did watch that Yadi match against Musetti, and. What I took away from that is that you can't judge this match against Pedro on that Musetti match because, like you were saying, it's just like all he did was attack that backhand, and that backhand was just like Musetti's backhand shots were just bouncing up so high for Yardi, and it was nuts. It was like <laughs> it wasn't even fair. It was like he was just bullying Musetti's backhand the entire match. It was actually pretty glorious to watch, but. Uh, Pedro Martinez, he always comes out of the woodwork at this time of the year. Um, obviously, because it's clay, I, I gotta just take that those three and a half games there for Pedro. Any value on the the Molchan as a, a slight dog? That's uh, you know, a, a calendar year ago, I think he's the favorite. That did strike me as uh, something that wasn't totally odd, but like, dude, Molchan, he's super fun to watch for me. I, don't, I never know what the hell he's going to do. He's he erratic. Goes, yeah, exactly. Well, he absolutely, well, he's erratic on hard courts, but he absolutely smacked one of the best juniors in the world in Joao Fonseca, who, I mean, to his credit, pushed back a little bit in that second set. But, I mean, he just didn't play his game. He was clearly nervous uh, in Rio. I think he played here last year as well, but this year looked, I think, a little more nervous. But um, that, that, that was a dominant win for Molchan. I think the books expected it. I didn't. Uh, I think a lot of people who know Joao Fonseca kind of expected him to do a little better. So I'll credit Molchan there. This just feels like, I don't know, man, like maybe an over as well. Can these guys, are these guys just both going to rip their forehands cross court into their opponent's backhands? Because Molchan isn't the biggest forehand, but it is like Dayan's backhand is so weak that I don't think it needs to be. And Dayan has a big, heavy, like very strong clay court forehand. Um, and so is he just going to be peppering the Molchan backhand until he gets a short ball to attack and put the ball away, finish the point? You know, I, I think maybe an over here is your look. Are uh, your over two and a half sets or or things like that? Probably another uh, another decent overlook. 
It is clay. It is clay season. Like back and forth seesaws. Get your get your three setters in. Get your marathon sets to push to push these thing these matches over. I think both of those uh, are are good looks. Uh, no one's beating Carlitos this week. <laughs> He's got to win this event again. Let's just. I feel like we can get this done in. Uh, it is three uh, two Mateus Alves right now. Well, it's two two forty love. And knowing Carlitos, I shouldn't assume that is going to end. But this Mateus Alves. Who won a who won a wild card tournament to get in? Somehow hanging with Carlitos through five games. It's only five games, but that's still better than what a lot of people did last week. The spread was like seven and a half or something, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two, two, two. All right. Well, if it's not Alcaraz, then who? Nori. <laughs> Nori seems to be like getting in some good prep. I mean, oh, it's. What about Nori and the the French Open outright, Mark? Or at least when he's uh, the quarters. And then maybe the court. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I think it's. I think it is Alcaraz. Otherwise, go with someone in the bottom half and just pray that you know someone clears Alcaraz or or he withdraws or something. So all of a sudden you've got a nice number in the opposite half that has a chance. That's probably what I do. Okay, Nori's not going to win the French, but uh, you know, I I, I think that um, the work he's putting in down here is going to pay off somehow. Um, so let's make sure we're paying attention when it comes to proper clay season. And Mr. Nori. Um, in terms of the outright, yeah. Unless Alcaraz loses right now to this kid. <laughs> I don't foresee him losing. Uh, but I, I like uh, Hari, actually. Um, to make uh, uh, Him or Baez in the semis for me. I, I want to see Montero. Um, what he can do against Nori off that uh, big win against uh, team. Um did, did Dolo win? Did he? What happened there? Yeah, he beat Kabayas Baena. Are we going to see Serendolo do something, anything with his life? Um, Fran Serendolo, Fran. He's he's got a nice little. Pa- I mean, he's got Zapata Miralles or Munar next. Um, I I personally think Munar comes through there. Um, I think it was a little bit of an overvalued run from Zapata Miralles last week. I mean, look at who he beat. He beat a thoroughly out of form. Um, Pedro Martinez and then an even more out of form Diego Schwartzman before, you know, Serundolo who had still had health question marks and kind of wore out in that third set. And then he got absolutely bumped by Carlos Alcaraz. So you can give him credit for the friend Serundolo win there. But I mean, other than that, I don't know what he does to get through Munar. I do think this is a uh, situation where I'd back Serundolo to, to then, uh, I mean, Munar could give Serundolo fits. Uh, and that that could be interesting, but he's certainly the best player in his, I believe, quarter left here, right? Munar, Zapata, Miralles, Galan, and then Ramos, Vignolas, and Echeverri. That's his quarter. And Echeverri's a promising player. Munar and Zapata could bother him with their grinding and their defensive play and counterpunching. But let's face it, he is the best player in that third quarter. So I think that we should be watching for uh, for friends Sarundolo to do something this week. I mean, if Nori... I mean, are we staring down at just another Alcaraz Nori final? Probably, <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> I mean, you put two absolute like top ten, top fifteen players on the Golden Swing. That's it's going to happen, at, you know, relatively often because the rest of the fields just aren't close to that quality. Yikes! Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, but that said, I mean, the Montero team match was exciting i think all the matches this week i think rio is a a a great site it's going to be a great week uh hopefully the rain uh, can stay stay away 
and we get um you know these the matches as they are intended um all right guys well if you've made it here thank you once again for listening uh you can find our show handle at mp9 tennis you can find john at jared tweets tennis at tidbits tennis you can find derek at Ferrar versus nagal give us a like a subscribe a, a rating a review the more people are listening so that's pretty cool and uh and yeah until next time see you on the court